I worked in retail and I knew so many people in my retail organization that I knew them really well, but it was like, who do you know within your core organization so that you can work your way to the top, not who do you know in the community? So my community relationships were not great. And I didn't know, do I sell my business to them? Do I sell myself to them? Do I just talk to them as a friend? Like, but I need people to come in my door. So how do I approach this? Because I still want them to come in and try it, but I don't want them to think I'm trying to sell them something. So it was this impossible task of like, how do I figure this out? And how do I tell people how great this is when I don't even believe in myself right now? Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Today, it's just me, the co-host, Christian Dadalak. Dan isn't able to join us today, but that's okay because we have an awesome, awesome guest with us. And before we dive into her background, and I'll let her do that and give her background, obviously, because she can explain it better than I would be able to, I'm sure. But Dan and I have discussed a lot that we want to have more and more franchisees on the podcast. Obviously, for those of you that have listened, first of all, thanks for tuning in and listening and being so supportive of the show. But we really want to get more franchisees on the podcast because franchisors are amazing. We love our franchisor partners. But at the end of the day, what's the most helpful advice, wisdom, insight that can be shared? Well, oftentimes that is from people that are actually in the thick of it as franchisees. So we have an awesome franchisee here today. She does several things in the franchise industry, it seems. So Ashley Clarkson, you're a franchisee with Perspire Sauna Studio, correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right. All right. Well, I'll turn it over to you. We'd love to get to know you. And if you could share a little bit about your background and something we always ask people that come on the show is, how did you get into franchising? Yeah. Gosh. And I absolutely love that. How did you get into franchising question? It was a complete accident. So I spent a lot of time in the retail industry, grocery industry, worked my way up out of college got to the point where I was an assistant store director and realized that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I kind of knew it beforehand, but sometimes you don't listen to your intuition and you just keep on going because why not? You know, if you're making good money, you feel comfortable and confident with where you're at. You don't want to take that leap and go back into the discomfort. So when I realized I didn't want to do that, I had had some health challenges because of stress that that brought on was pretty astronomical. My husband and I were traveling and we ran across an infrared sauna studio. Had no idea what it was, but I felt drawn to it for who knows why. We checked it out. And from the moment that we tried our sauna session, I was like, we should absolutely bring this back to our home city here in Omaha, Nebraska. We don't have anything like it. I think a lot of people could really benefit from this. And so we, at first we started looking into it and we thought, oh, we could do this by ourselves. Like, perfect. Let's see how to go about this. So we started putting in the research and realized at that point, oh, wow. Okay. Now we have to figure out how we're going to brand ourselves. How do we want the space to look? What colors do we want it to have? And kind of hit this wall where I was like, gosh, I don't I don't know if I want to do all of that work. Literally did a Google search, found Perspire Sauna Studio. This was back in 2019. They had just started franchising in 2018, reached out to them, went through all of our validation calls, talked to the all of two franchisees that were... One of them was open and one of them was not open yet. 
and signed on within three or four months. And I guess the rest is kind of history. We absolutely loved the fact that they are so supportive that we did have other franchise to reach out to. You know, the franchisor, they worked very closely with us, very one-on-one. Their support was incredible. So in that instance, we kind of fell into franchising. And at that time, I knew nothing about it. I love it. Yeah. What's so interesting, I think the story is, I can tell you it's true for me. It's, I think it's true for most people that get into the industry where you don't really necessarily find franchising. I mean, I guess you kind of did, but franchising almost finds you in a sense. And we've said that a million times on the show. I'm sure the audience is sick of hearing it, but there is truth to it. You didn't go into it thinking, man, I want to start a franchise, but you saw a need and you saw a cool concept and you thought, hey, this would be great to be able to bring this back to our town. But then you start to realize, wow, well, there's so many things to think about if we're going to start this 100% from scratch. And I'm sure you also probably realized, well, there's a whole lot here that I probably don't know and that I don't know that I don't know. And there's things related to construction and like you said, branding and colors and where am I going to get this or that and compliance regulation. So you found Perspire. Did you check out other similar types of concepts? And if so, what was the thing about Perspire that really drew you to them? Yeah. So at the time, I mean, they're essentially like the first infrared sauna franchisee. There are some others that do similar things or it's one of their pieces of the puzzle within their other services, but we really just wanted to do the sauna part. So of course we still checked out like some competition and some, you know, local places. Gosh. And from there, again, what drew us was just the know-how that they had. We felt like they were ahead of the curve as far as a trend or as far as other companies that are going to come about and do offer infrared sauna or that is their only modality. We felt like they were well ahead of anybody who would come on the market and might eventually catch up or try to catch up. Absolutely. I mean, obviously it's an emerging brand too. So I think a lot of people, they think franchising and they think McDonald's, they see all the chicken franchises that are blowing up all over the nation. And I think a lot of them don't realize that obviously every one of these franchises, they started somewhere. They started with a handful of units. They started with one location, right? And so how was that different? I mean, was that nerve wracking at all? The fact that they weren't some massive brand that were relatively emerging? I mean, how did that play into your decision ultimately when you were deciding whether or not to move forward with Perspire? It was absolutely terrifying for me. My husband is a little less risk averse than I am. And after diving into this, I am much less risk averse. But yeah, it was. It was scary knowing that, hey, they have two franchise locations right now open in addition to their three corporate studios. Hey, we can look at a couple of franchisees sent us their numbers. And we were like, gosh, like it looks really good on paper, like what they've done so far. But what if it's not? Like, what if it doesn't go over well in Omaha? What if... People aren't ready in the Midwest for this yet. I mean, we were literally the first infrared sauna studio that came to the Midwest. And so, yeah, it was extremely nerve wracking. I think at the end of the day, we just, we believed in it so much. And we thought that the brand was so great and the support was good. It just, I was like, gosh, I don't want to look back in five years and kick myself for not doing this because they blow up and they have a hundred locations open because not only, of course, is the ability there to bring wellness to the community, but then also working for yourself and that profit potential that was there, obviously that's going to be, you know, attractive to anybody. Yeah, of course. I commend you for having that level of faith in the beginning because 
you know, two concepts, especially, I mean, where were the original concepts? Where was it started out of? So they are out of Costa Mesa, California, which is in the Newport, yep. Orange County area. Got it. Yeah, I'm up in Los Angeles. So that's okay. not super far from where I live. And yeah, it makes sense. So in California, there's tons of places like this and that do cryotherapy and this and that. And they're amazing. And there's a huge market. I think culturally, it makes sense. So that must have been a little nerve wracking being in the Midwest where, like you mentioned, we don't know if this is going to catch on in the same way that it obviously has in California, different cultures, different places. So I think you said there was two existing franchisees. So that's hardly proof of concept, especially when they're not in your market. So I commend you for that. How did you go about validating the brand and vetting them and doing your due diligence and figuring out, is this the right fit? Is the numbers, is the opportunity real? Is it what they're saying it is? And I'm sure talking to the franchisees played into that, but what can you share there? Yeah, honestly, it was meeting their team. So we met them a couple of times. One time we just happened to be traveling out to California. I mean, all these pieces just fell into place. So in such a strange way, we met them, we were able to go out there and try it. And then that was before our discovery days. That was about a month later. And just meeting their team and seeing the passion and their love for people and the impact that their studios in California had on the greater community. Not only that, but again, the profit potential that we saw and just knowing that, hey, they were always going to be there to support us. And so it was challenging to make that final decision. For me, it was terrifying. But ultimately, I just sometimes you have like an intuitive or a gut feeling. And I just kind of knew after we went through all of that, that that was the way to go. And they didn't hide anything. I mean, they gave us the greats, the bads. They were open with some aspects of the financials with what they can show franchisees. And again, we had franchisees send us some of theirs. They were gracious enough to do so since it is such a new concept. And we just felt like with all of that information and our own numbers that we ran and knowing that we were ready to go off and kind of do our own thing, that it was really just the right decision. And, you know, again, we were also very young franchisees. So at the time that I signed, I was 28. And so I was like, well, I guess if it goes belly up, like, we still got plenty of time to come back from it. I don't want to use that as like a reason, but we have plenty of time to do other things and build back up if something were to go awry. For sure. Yeah, you said a few things there that I found interesting. It seems like what caught you more than anything, and well, I guess not, obviously you mentioned the profit potential, that's important, but you also mentioned the passion of the team. And yeah. there's so many cliche quotes. They're cliche because they're true, like culture eats strategy for breakfast, but that is true. And I always tell people that I work with as a franchise consultant, I help people buy franchise businesses. And I always tell them, yes, obviously, like the bare minimum should be that the numbers kind of play out and the franchisees are happy and they're sharing good information. But you need to make sure that you like these people and that yeah. the leadership team is good and they're passionate about it. And you're going to be working with them, you know, especially the support staff and, yeah. and an emerging brand, the founders as well. So you need to make sure you like them and you get along with them and that they're here for the right reasons. And so it's awesome to hear you say that. Okay, so you bought, you signed on the dotted line, you're a new franchisee, you're probably scared to death, but also excited. <laughs> so what did that look like? I mean, obviously there was a build out, I would imagine, of course. So yeah. what was that process like and getting everything up and running? How did that go? Yeah, so gosh, there were so many hurdles. I do just want to point out as we go in, you know, I think when you're a franchisee, the minute you sign on that dotted line too, all of a sudden you think that you know everything. And 
I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. I mean, again, as a new business owner, you know absolutely nothing. But all of a sudden, you're like, nope, I have the best ideas and you guys have no idea what you're doing. So I think that's an interesting mindset. And as I work with franchisees and in my corporate career as well right now, I mean, you can just kind of see it. And again, sometimes at some point in the process, I think every franchisee feels like they know best. And sometimes, yeah, you might have a great idea, but so part of it was also reining myself back in and thinking like, hey, no, you don't know everything. This is why you signed with a franchisor because they are here to help guide and help us along the process. Gosh, as far as that build out process and getting open, we signed in July of 2019 and we opened in July of 2020. So finding a space at the time, there were not a lot of spaces available or the landlord was like, ooh, I'm not really sure about that proof of concept. Like there's not a lot of locations open. Like we're just, we're not quite sure about that. So we would move on to the next space or we would go look at a space and they're like, oh, they're already in LOI or they're in lease negotiations. And we thought, well, that's perfect. Are we ever going to find a space? So we got everything squared away. We got our space signed in like January. And then of course, we were already working on the build out process. We had a construction management company. We had a contractor. Contractor was absolutely incredible, especially working with, you know, myself, which at the time I was a stressed out brand new business owner. And didn't know what I was doing. And part of the process too was back in 2020, then you're already nervous and then everything shut down. So I got off the plane on March 1st from training in California. We went out to build out like three weeks later. And at that same time, like every other business shut down and we were like, where's our marketing strategy? Like what? And then we'd see like, franchised businesses and like fitness concepts and other things started closing like permanently. And I thought, what did we do? How are we going to do this? Like if other businesses can't stay open or when all these other businesses have to open back up, who's going to want to partner with us because they have to get themselves going again too, or they have to get their financial ducks in a row. So it was, it was terrifying and it was a huge learning experience to open. We had to do a lot of our marketing with lead generation on social media. We tried to go into businesses, but they weren't very receptive at the time just because, again, you weren't just walking into places and saying, hey, I'd like to get to know you. I want to meet you. Like, what does your business do? Like, this is really cool. Like, hey, we have this awesome new concept. We'd love if you just come try it and see if you like it. And people, again, at the time, they weren't receptive to that necessarily. It wasn't that they were mean. They just, they were trying to figure out their own stuff. And, you know, nobody really fully knew what was going on. And So that was very hard and it was a huge hit to my ego and to my confidence. And so I had to, after we got open, pull out of that. And so we did open again in July of 2020 and it did, it took some time to build up, but, you know, based on how quick we were able to become profitable, we knew pretty fast that it was the right decision. And regardless of what had happened, I would never go back and change my mind on that decision because the amount of growth that happened was just astronomical from the person I was when we signed to the person that I was after we opened all the way up until now. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, that's something that's one of those acts of God that you just can't possibly foresee. It's completely out of your hands. You have no control over it whatsoever. And things like that will happen when you're in business. It just does happen. But I'm curious to get your thoughts. I mean, do you think that it was almost a blessing in disguise that it started out and probably 
arguably one of the worst times ever to like start a business. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I absolutely do because my mindset was not there. Like it was completely gone and I couldn't pull myself out of it. And so every day it was a struggle. Like a lead would come in and we'd call them on the phone and they're like, oh, you guys are open for business? And they're like, why are you open? And I was like, we just opened. And I didn't know what else to say to them. But every time that happened, it was just this huge downer of like, why did this happen? Why is it so hard? Like this should be a time for celebration. It should be collaboration and getting really excited. And I just, I went to this dark place that I slowly had to come out of it and realize, hey, like everything is happening how it's supposed to. It's happening for a reason. And if you stay the course and if you keep working at it, if you keep doing all the right things, it will happen and you will be successful. And you're not going to be on that list of, hey, we had to shut down in the first year. Absolutely. So what were some of those things you were doing on a daily basis to keep the business, keep the lights on, get new business in? I mean, because you're just new, you just opened up. So you have to get customers and you have to do everything. And while the world seems to be crumbling down around us, I'm curious to hear some of the mental processes. I mean, some people have mantras or they do visualization or they talk or whatever it is. But what did you do mentally to get yourself right? And then from an activity standpoint, what were you doing on a daily basis to just fight through it and to drive revenue and drive activity? Gosh, yeah, mentally, I mean, it took a couple of years to fully get back, which again, I never expected it to take that long. I don't know why it did, but it took a couple of years. It was constant. It was podcasts. It was reading mindset books. It was, you know, if I found music or a song that helped, I would listen to that. And I might have a glimpse of like, okay, yep, everything's going to be fine. But then several minutes later, I'd be like, nope, okay. I was like, well, shoot, like, why is nothing working long term? And then, you know, of course, my husband, he was awesome. I mean, it took a toll on him too, especially my mindset being so terrible. I mean, it took a toll on him and thank goodness for him and that he was able to be there and be there, you know, for those hours long conversations. And every night me saying like, why did we do this? What are we doing? Like, is everything going to be okay? So it was just, it was constant drive and never letting up on how can I get my mindset back to a place of positivity and thriving instead of like, survival and trying to dig myself out of this mental pit. Mm -hmm. And so then as far as marketing, also not being in a great mindset space, I would go out and there were some events that were starting to get going again or, you know, infrequently or via Zoom, which it's very hard to meet people networking on Zoom, as, as everybody knows. And so just those groups that were out and about in the community, getting out and meeting them, meeting more people in the community, having one-to-one -one meetings with them. And then it was hard to find out how do I market? I mean, I've never marketed myself. I've never marketed a business. I, I worked in retail and I knew so many people in my retail organization that I knew them really well. But it was like, who do you know within your core organization so that you can work your way to the top? Not who do you know in the community? So my community relationships were not great. And I didn't know, do I sell my business to them? Do I sell myself to them? Do I just talk to them as a friend? Like, but I need people to come in my door. So how do I approach this? Because I still want them to come in and try it, but I don't want them to think I'm trying to sell them something. So it was this impossible task of like, how do I figure this out? And how do I tell people how great this is when I don't even believe in myself right now? So some of it was getting out in the community, 
A lot of lead generation marketing, reaching out to people via phone, text message, sending them emails, having those conversations with them, and then just ultimately providing an incredible like guest experience so that when people did walk in our doors, making sure they absolutely loved it, that it was a clean environment, an enjoyable session, that they left feeling better than when they arrived and having interactions with them and making sure like, hey, how are you doing mentally? And I think, again, if anybody walks through your doors and they have an incredible experience, they will be back. Absolutely true. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. The common thread that I'm hearing from what you said that I see in a lot of successful entrepreneurs, successful franchisees, is even though you probably didn't feel like doing any of those things, you still did them. You still did what you had to do to keep the ball moving forward. And even though belief in yourself, I'm sure, wasn't quite there at that point, because again, everything was just a mess externally, had nothing to do with you, but you still kept charging forward when I think a lot of other people would fold up. And I think that is like, the X factor. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand when they buy a franchise. They think, I'm going to buy this franchise and I'm going to buy this business and it is going to make me wealthy. It is going to drive a lot of profits. But at the end of the day, you as the franchisee are the it factor. Yes, there's a blueprint. Yes, there's a model, but you have to execute on it and you're going to need to push through the types of challenges that we're talking about here, which you did. And this is why I tell people, look, franchising is not the right fit for everybody. Business ownership, isn't the right fit for everybody. There has to be some grit and tenacity and some level of perseverance. And if you don't have a history of that, and you have a history of maybe quitting when things get tough, maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe you should stay put in doing what you do. There's nothing wrong with that, right? So I commend you though, for being one of the few people that, along with your husband, of course, that you guys were both able to push through this together, which is fantastic. So kudos to you on that. Thank you, yeah. And let's get to the fun stuff then. So obviously we talked about some of the challenges and I think that's very valuable for a lot of the people on the podcast to hear. But let's talk about the fun stuff. Obviously, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's get the full scope of it. We've talked about the ugly, some of the bad. Let's talk about some of the cool things that have happened. How has it improved your life? What has come from it? And anything you'd like to share there? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I've met some really cool people in the community. We have some incredible people that come in to use our product and it's changed their lives. They've been able to heal some of their either injuries or health conditions because they are using sauna. So that's really cool. It's neat just to build partnerships and meet other business owners in the community and knock around ideas with them. Because again, I feel like business ownership for anybody who is an entrepreneur, it's very lonely. You feel like you're on an island. You don't know how to reach out to people, friends and family who aren't business owners because they don't understand. I mean, they might to an extent, but it's just, how do you start that conversation? How do you have that talk with them? So to talk with other business owners and then, you know, learning how to be vulnerable with them. I think that's something that I've learned over time too, is like, don't hold back, just tell them. And maybe they've been through something similar. So just building those relationships, building those connections. And for myself, just seeing what I can do, what I have been able to do. Gosh, and connections with the franchisor are great, but other franchisees. That's like an incredible thing. You're not going to be friends with them all. You're not going to, you know, once your brand grows enough, when I knew all the franchisees and then we just had conference and I thought, oh my gosh, like I have no idea who any of these people are. Some people would come up to me and they said, oh, we did a validation call six months ago. And I said, oh shoot, like 
I don't remember that. Like, because <laughs> I've done so many and just the franchisees that you can connect with and that you get to know on a deeper level, it's incredible. It's really cool to say, hey, like, you know, if you have a promotion going on, hey, like we hit this in sales, like what did you guys do? And like bouncing that back and forth or, hey, this is wrong in this sauna, like how do you guys fix this? Or, hey, do you know what's up? Or we had this issue with this guest, like what would you guys do? Like, how would you respond to that? And just seeing how they interact and, you know, now there's certain franchisees that when they open their doors, like, I'm going to go out for their softer or grand opening because I want to see them. I want to collaborate with them. They've been putting in hard work and it's just very rewarding to watch them open their doors and build that community within franchising. And then again, broaden our networks because we're able to meet them and they introduce us to other people. And so I think meeting those other franchisees can be just as life-changing as deciding to go in and own your own business. There's a few things you said there that I want to touch on. The first thing was when I asked you about the good things, the awesome things that have come from franchise ownership and being a part of Perspire, you led with people and impact, things that you've helped with the community. I love that you didn't start with, well, we're making a ton of money or we're super profitable or anything like that. And that's a common element, a common thread that I find with a lot of successful franchise owners. Yes, the money's important. It's not charity. You're here to make money, obviously. But I do think that there needs to be a desire to serve and a desire for something more than just the money that will keep you going. So I love hearing that. And I hope the audience picks up on that as well. And then the other thing that you mentioned, which I was going to ask about, we can get into how Perspire has grown since you initially joined the brand, is the franchisees. I think that is such an underrated element of joining a franchise brand. Some people tell me, Christian, why am I going to pay a franchise fee? Why am I going to pay a royalty? And I get it. I don't think anybody wants to pay those things. Yeah. You know, They're like, why can't I just do this on my own? And I think we talked about in the beginning how many moving parts there are. And you don't know what you don't know, especially most people that get into franchising. You don't have any background in that specific industry. You know, and that's one of the benefits of franchising. You can get into an industry you don't know. Yeah. But having that franchisee network is so underrated. And as the brand grows and beyond just, hey, it can help you with your business, but the relationships you get, the connections and the friendships, but also from a business standpoint, which is what the podcast is about, is you get all of these people you can share best business practices with. If you're in a local market and you're just a standalone independent business, your competitors are likely not going to want to meet with you and talk with you. And even if they were, they're not going to disclose as much information as the fellow franchisees will. But you have a vested interest with the fellow franchisees to really grow everything. And you could join masterminds even if you are an independent business owner. But still, the people aren't going to understand the challenges that you're going through in the same way that people in the exact same brand, in the same business, at different parts in the country for sure. But no one's going to understand it like they do. So that is just such a key point that I hope people understand that the value of a franchise network is just so amazing. And you can't put a price on that. And I think that's one of the reasons that it can make sense to pay that franchise fee, join a franchise brand, pay the royalty. So I think that's awesome. But what I'd like to get into a little bit more is just how has the brand grown since you first joined? I mean, you guys have grown pretty heavily and you just alluded to that. I mean, how many franchisees are there now with Perspire? So we now have over 100 locations signed. There's 30 locations open and we opened as the ninth location. So. I mean, it's really incredible. It's been cool to see. I think it was a little bit of an adjustment, again, being one of the first franchisees and 
not getting as much like one-to-one corporate support because we're still helping them develop and see what works best and what doesn't. But once you kind of get over that hump and all the processes get lined out and everything is perfected and it's really cool to watch it grow and watch other franchisees come on board. And then, you know, what did I do in pre-sales versus what are they doing now in pre-sales? Again, it's just cool to see it all over the nation instead of just in random places. I mean, now every time, you know, if we're traveling somewhere, it's going to be much more likely that there's a perspire there, or there's an owner there, or, hey, we're going on a trip here, like, let's stop in and talk with a franchisee. And so just watching the brand evolve and the marketing you know, aspect of it and seeing improvements from there and watching the corporate team grow, watching them become more experts in the field has been really, really cool too. Yeah. This is another conversation I have with franchise candidates too, that there's such a difference between joining an emerging brand and then joining one that's well-established or massive or anywhere in between. And I think there's different types of people and different personality types. And you can make a case for joining the massive brand or joining an emerging brand. Like for example, it's nice in the beginning because you kind of get your choice of territory. It's wide open. You get direct relationship with the founder. You get input and you get to help innovate and kind of build the system in a way because it's not totally, the roadmap isn't completely there. Whereas once it's later stage development, they're like, hey, we know how to do this. Like do it this way. But how is it now? I mean, what kind of corporate support is offered now? I mean, how is it different? I'm sure it's changed massively. So what is offered today that wasn't available when you were first getting started? Well, what was then is, you know, we were directly talking with the CEO on calls and he came out and helped us look at, you know, real estate locations and was very interactive. But of course, there weren't as many processes and kind of we were like, hey, what do we do in this situation? I was like, oh, we've never run across that before. We've never opened up Perspire in a cold climate before. And you guys are the first ones. And, you know, now what I see is they have this incredible corporate team that's intertwined and they each have their own piece of the process. And, you know, whether it's your initial onboarding person or your onboarding marketing person or, hey, then, you know, after you've been open for a while, your longevity marketing person. And now you're not talking directly with the CEO, but you're talking to the FBCs or the marketing director and, now there is a marketing VP. So there's an entire marketing strategy that you're looking at. So that's always like very exciting to see. And, you know, where a lot of similar things were in place or were being worked on when we signed. Now it's just like watching the new locations open. You're like, wow, this is very streamlined. It's not like how it was, which again, I'm so glad that we were in like right when it started because it was really cool to be part of starting those processes. But now it's just even more incredible to watch how it's grown and how They've solidified and become confident and, you know, how they can open locations now so that you're profitable in month one or month two instead of month three or month four. And it's just, gosh, just like watching how everything is intertwined. It's just, I can't get over that. It's just, it's so cool. Because of course, too, when you sign with an emerging brand, you're like, are they going to make it that far? Like, are they going to sign 10 locations? And then that's it. Like nobody wants to sign ever again, or they can't get past the hump or something. And So it's just, it's really cool to see all of that infrastructure. Yeah, it's not very common for franchisors to reach that stage. But how cool is that to say that you were a part of that? And I'm sure you guys will continue to grow. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So earlier on, I think you mentioned that you currently have a corporate role as well outside of Perspire, right? Yeah, so that's outside of Perspire. So I 
work in an FBC role and I do a lot of with like onboarding and training franchisees for Live Hydration Spa. So they're headquartered in Omaha, Nebraska, and they started franchising in like 2020. So it's also an emerging brand. That's really what I wanted to do was work with an emerging brand so I could be part of all of it. So I started working with them about eight months ago, came in with a lot of knowledge and feel like I was also able to provide insight from franchisee side. And it's interesting to see it from the other side. And I see a lot of similar feelings and things that are happening on the franchisee side that I notice, you know, from myself or other franchisees with Perspire. So it's really interesting. And it's really interesting to, again, when I started with Liv back earlier this year, they had like 15 franchisees signed. Now we have 30. So I mean, the amount of growth that they're doing has just been incredible. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. I'm sure that's insanely valuable for them. And the reason I wanted to touch on that too, the fact that you have that role. I mean, for those of you that don't know, FBC, that stands for Franchise Business Consultant, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you help coach franchisees and help train them, it sounds like, which is amazing. What I wanted to touch on though was, so you have that role, you have the franchise. So more or less, it sounds like there's semi-absentee ownership there. Yeah. How does that work? And how long did it take to get to that point? How is it structured? Do you have a general manager in place? How many hours do you put in? How does it work? Because I don't think there's anything as absentee ownership. You can't just not be involved and not show up. Yeah. But there is a point where you can kind of pull back a little bit and have time for other things like you do. So you can be an FBC. So can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you say it's very hard to be a completely absentee owner because yeah, I think it's just not viable for being a franchisee or business owner generally, it's very, very challenging. And sometimes once you grow big enough, you can, but having all those right pieces in place is key. So it's really nice that my husband works full-time in Perspire. So he is the general manager. It makes it a little bit easier for us on that aspect. And so I went from, you know, I opened Perspire. Um, he was working a corporate role at the time. He really didn't like that corporate role. So he ended up getting out of it about four months after we opened. And then we managed together until I started this role. Kind of realized that we do not manage well together, especially a small organization. (laughs) We have very different thoughts and feelings on things. And I don't think either one of us is better or less than the other. He's much better at managing a small team that's his own. Whereas if I manage a small team and I also own the business, I'm going to be a lot more micromanagey. So it's much better if I just step back because that's also not good for the team. So yeah, turning that all over from my perspective, it was a little challenging. It's still challenging to sometimes look at sales or think about this or be like, well, are you doing this partnership? Like, did you see this? Like, have you reached out to any influencers in the past two months? Like, what are you doing? And he's kind of like, yeah, I'm working on this or I'm working on that. And it is, it's hard to have, I guess, going from that husband-wife relationship, it's challenging because at the end of the night, you still have to go home to each other and you still love each other. But sometimes as business partners, you might not get along or you might not have the same idea. And so for me, it's just learning how to give up that focus and those thoughts to him because I am completely full-time in on this. And it's what I really wanted to do because I love the franchisee franchisor dynamic. And I love the systems and processes that get set up that go into it. So I knew this was the right role for me. But 
as far as turning it over to him mentally, it was it was hard for me to not be in it. But ultimately, it's better for us. And it's better for me to also learn that trust and learn that, hey, I have to trust him. Like, I need to be at like a 49% voting capacity. And he needs to be at like a 51% because he's in it on the day to day. He's boots on the ground. He doesn't care any less about it than I do. So even though he's going to do it differently than me, honestly, at this time, he's probably better for the team and leading our team than I am. Yeah, it is a business partnership. And anytime there's a business partnership, whether you're husband and wife or your friends or whatever it is, but being able to have those clearly defined roles and being able to understand like, hey, I'm focusing on this, you're focusing on this, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine is really, really important. But that's awesome. So now that everything's up and running, at this point, you're not super involved in the day to day. But I think for our audience, it'd be helpful for them to kind of know what your husband does from a day to day standpoint, or when you were still involved, what does it look like? What are you doing all day? Are you Signing people up for memberships, you're out there networking in the community, I'm sure. But like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's kind of everything. So, I mean, as a small business owner, a lot of times you're doing every aspect of the business. So, we'll get up in the morning. Our first team member goes in at 6 30 a.m. Usually, again, it's nice to have as many team members as possible so you can work on the business instead of in the business, which, again, that's a whole nother conversation on transitioning as you know, when you just open to, hey, now you're established and you've been open for a couple of years. So when your first team member goes in, like if they have questions, you're going to be their first contact as a general manager. So you could be woken up by a random question, something they've never run into at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, if for some reason somebody can't come in, generally we're the next call in. So if we need to go in, we do. Otherwise, it's networking or marketing, just talking to other business owners. So we definitely do a lot of that, generally on certain days of the week, running payroll or looking at our QuickBooks, making sure that everything's categorized, making sure that it does match up to our processing system, to what our sales are reading on our mind-body system, to our bank account, to QBO. And then we do have some vendors. So making sure that towels got dropped off and that they're not missing anything or they're not late for the day because we don't want to run out of towels and we don't want our team to have to worry or have that stress. And then, yeah, reach outs, reaching out to people who have been in, asking questions, answering the phones. It is nice now. A lot of the part of the lead generation has been automated through our system. So whereas we used to do every single lead reach out from our team, now we have a system that does that. We still do you know, phone call follow-ups, but that's made it a lot easier. And then, yeah, just making sure that the team is cohesive. They're providing great service. We check in with them every single day. Usually at some point during the day, we're at least in studio. Generally, my husband, if he's not scheduled, he'll still go in for a couple of hours just to talk with the team, to joke around, to coach ask how they're doing. So really making sure that they're also happy. They feel like we're involved and they feel like we care about them, which we absolutely do. We have an incredible team. Couldn't do it without them because then we'd be working 100 hours a week or more. (laughs) And then just looking at, hey, who can we partner with? What businesses in the area can we help? Who can provide us value? Is there a new marketing strategy? Is there something that we're missing out on? Checking Google reviews, Facebook reviews, comments making sure that all the posts go out on time. That's probably more like a week overview versus a day. It's hard to smush it all into one day. Of course. I think too, going from working for somebody to business ownership, it's sometimes hard to figure out exactly what your schedule looks like on a day-to-day and what you should be doing. 
because if you don't have to go in that day, it's so easy to just get up in the morning and be like, I'm just going to shut my brain off today, which there's days when that happens. (laughs) So it's just all of the things. And then if you have like, we have a sauna go down or something like that, like, hey, let's get in there and fix it. We've gotten to the point where we can fix a lot of things on our machines. If we can't like reaching out to that vendor and then if it's a bigger concern or we think it's going to be something that could happen or be detrimental to all locations or it could happen at more locations like reaching out to the corporate office and making sure that we are communicating with them and staying in contact so that there is transparency and that partnership from both sides. Love it. Love it. So just a couple more questions that we could wrap up. I know we've gone a little bit longer than I said, but it's just such an interesting conversation. And I think it's just going to be insanely helpful for a lot of people that are either existing franchisees or people that are thinking about becoming a franchisee. I wanted to ask you, so what's next for you guys? What's the five-year plan? I know it's a cheesy kind of interview question, but but what is it? What are some of your goals moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I plan to continue working on the corporate side of franchising. Very excited, very happy with being able to be kind of that initial part of an emerging franchisor, really having fun helping the founders and, you know, CEO of Live Hydration grow the brand and perfecting processes. And then as far as on the business ownership side, yeah, we're absolutely not done. I know that we are interested. We're always looking at opportunities. Again, sometimes it's just feeling out if it's the right opportunity, if it's not the right opportunity in discussions about when Perspire number two is going to come. You know, again, it's always what is the right time? What's the right area of town? You know, what does it look like with already having the first one and staffing being such a challenge this day and age? So definitely looking more at franchising, more business ownership, and everything that comes with that adventure. And whatever else comes up along the way, we are absolutely open to. I think that's another thing that owning my own business opened my eyes to is that nothing's going to go as planned. I think there's that saying like something about you can make plans and then God will kind of laugh at you or whatever and say, nope, we're doing this instead. And so we're always very open to, hey, knowing that things can change literally in the blink of an eye or that one decision that you make today could change the entire trajectory of your life. So just staying open to what does that look like and what could that opportunity bring us? I love it. I love it. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, just in summation, I guess, for everybody, is there any parting wisdom or parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with everybody? I mean, I think we've gone through so much, but all of it is valuable for sure. So anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Absolutely. What we were just talking about is always be open to an opportunity and something that you're scared of getting outside your comfort zone, because that's where you're going to do the most growth. And that's ultimately what I think is going to change your life for the better. If you dive outside what you're used to and go into something new and just trying not to be afraid of that opportunity. Well, I think that's an amazing place to leave it. Ashley, thanks so much for coming on. Really, really excited to see you continue to kick butt in the franchise industry and you know, best of luck continuing forward with the business. And thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you hopping on another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. As always, make sure to share, subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business, 
to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com. 